of the living God this morning, and let me say happy Father's Day to all you gentlemen. Appreciate that. Now, before I get into my message this morning, I want to remind you guys that the Bible says that love is patient. Everybody say love is patient. In other words, I need you to be patient with me on this first part of the sermon. Because it seemed like to me I was just rambling on this week and I'm like, you know what, Lord, let's get to it. But maybe there's some things here he wants you guys to see and, and I'm not seeing it, but hopefully he uses me to do this. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 4. Now, first of all, I think one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart is to ask you guys to try to read your Bibles. Not just read in your Bible, but to read your Bibles from A to Z. Because when you read your Bibles, you'll, you'll find a lot of unusual things in there, things you probably would not expect to find in there. And also, you will learn a lot, and you'll find out what God's will is. That's the most important. And you'll also see that God's people, throughout the entire Bible, they are going through trials and tribulations. And there's a reason for that. It's because God has asked his people over and over and over to do certain things. And because of their stubbornness, their unrepented hearts, their stiff necks, they refuse to do what God says, and over and over they find themselves going through many trials and tribulations. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 11 that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but, but painful, but later on, however, you will find that, that it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so if you're in the process of always going through storms, trials and tribulations, maybe you haven't learned your lesson yet. I don't know about you, but when I was in school, if you failed a test, the teacher would make you repeat that until you got it. Can I get an amen? Now, as you make your way through the Bible, you'll come through the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the last book of the Torah. Now, your Torah is the first five books written in the Bible. And they're written by the man of God by the name of Moses. Can I get an amen? But as you make your way into the book of Deuteronomy, well, I'm having trouble with these Hebrew words this morning, but praise the Lord, he's good. But as you make your way through the book of Deuteronomy, you'll find yourself to the second to the last chapter, which is the 32nd chapter. And that is entitled, 
the song of Moses. And that is where we'll be in today. Now, what you'll see in this song is that Moses is telling a brief story of the history of, of Israel, but you also see that in this song of Moses that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, in this song, you'll see that God never changes. Hebrews 13 and 8, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Revelations 1 and 8, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, declares the Lord God, who is, who was, and is to come, the Almighty. And so if you got your place in Deuteronomy 32 and 4, please stand for the reading of God's Scripture this morning. Moses said he is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright, and just is he. Today's sermon is simply entitled, The Song of Moses. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, neighbor... You may not realize it, but you right now are writing down your song, and someone will hear it even when you're gone. Can I get an amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Christ, Yeshua, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Father, we just praise you and we come before your presence, Lord, with singing and rejoicing in our hearts. And we're so glad to be in the house of the living God today. We celebrate Father's Day, Lord, by celebrating you because we have no father but you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the creator of all things. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are Jehovah Jireh, Lord. You are our provider. Lord, you are our king. You are our savior. You all that we have. And we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that the mighty name of Jesus today will be poured out in this room. Let the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon your people. And let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. You are my strength. You are my redeemer. You are my God in whom I trust, and surely you shall deliver us today out of the hand of the fowler. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people said amen, and amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now what's really interesting and also very powerful about the song of Moses is that we, we find that it's mentioned once again 61 books later. I would say probably close to 700 years later. But nevertheless, God has repeated himself after all these years. In fact, we see it during the time of the great tribulation in the book of Revelation. This is when all those signs and wonders are, are taking place. This is even when the, the Antichrist is on a scene and they are saying that you cannot buy or sell or trade unless you have something marked into your right hand and to your forehead. 
That's called the mark of the beast. Can I get an amen? And what's amazing about the mark of the beast is that we see that John, he gives us a glimpse in the book of Revelation of what this looks like. Revelation 14 and 11. The Bible says, and the smoke or the torment rises forever and ever, and there's no rest day and night for those who worship the beast and receive the mark of his name. Revelation 13 and 18. He says, this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. His number is 666. This is some scary stuff right here. Because at this time, God forbid we to be here, but if we are, I'm, I'm forewarning you right now, never take the mark of the beast. And you will know it because they said right here in the Bible that it will be in your right hand and in your forehead. Now what that looks like or what that will be like, I don't know. But if the government says, listen, you will not be able to buy or sell unless you have this mark in your right hand or forehead, that's when you say no. And what that means that you could probably go hungry, you will be persecuted and hated, because of the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But I will say this. If you do take this mark, you can kiss heaven goodbye. Because hell will be where you will be cast. Because you have forsaken the son of the living God. Can I get an amen? But by the grace of God, are you guys bored yet? But by the grace of God, John the Revelator has given us the privilege. He was given the privilege to look into heaven... Heaven was open up for him, and, and he looks into heaven, and he sees you and I standing there, God's children, his people. And what's amazing is that you and I are, are dressed in these white robes. Now, I don't understand this next part. God has given us a harp. Bring, bring. I, I don't know what that harp is, but it's probably a type of instrument. Maybe it is a harp. That sounds kind of weird to me, but I don't really want a harp. I want some drums. Come on, amen. But if he wants to give me a harp, I'll harp it. Come on, amen. I'll be the best harpist he has. I can get my move on. Come on, amen. But he will give us a harp, and he says that we'll be standing beside something that looks like a sea of glass mixed with fire. That's amazing. Can you see that? But he also says that we will be singing in Revelations 15 and 3. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Now, what's interesting is, is I don't know where in the Bible if there is a place where it speaks of the song of the Lamb of God. Maybe this is the only place, but I, I think this is it. And it says right here. And they sang the song of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of ages, who will not fear you, O Lord. Bring glory to your name, for you alone are holy, and all nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And so this song of Moses is so prevalent that we who are saved and delivered out of the tribulations, we will all come together as a body of believers and we'll be singing it together in the heavenlies.
Now, what's interesting about the Song of Moses is that basically this is the last recording of what Moses did. These are his last words. In other words, this is his swan song, if you would, his final gesture, his last biblical performance on this earth. And, and we know that when important people die, and Moses was important, when important people die, we always want to know about three things. What was the last thing they said? What was the last things they did? And what, what will they be remembered by. Now let's bring us into the equation. What will be the last thing we say? What will be the last thing we do? And what will we be remembered for? Some of you say, oh, he'll be remembered as a good businessman. He was a good man. She was a good mom. But, but, but personally, I don't want to be known as those things. I want to be known as a great man of God. I want to be known as someone who was not ashamed of the gospel, someone who would get in someone's face and tell them all about Jesus. That's what I want to be known for. I don't want to be known as a coward. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power and the salvation for those who believe, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from first to last, for just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Can I get an amen? And so we need to ask ourselves, what will, be, what will we be remembered for? Now, of course, Moses... He's always going to be remembered as the one who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. After 400 years of bondage, he will be always remembered as the one who took the staff of God, raised his hand, and the Red Sea parted, and God's people went across. Come on, amen. Now, let's bring it to our generations. When I think of, let's say, Led Zeppelin, they will all be, always be remembered for a stairway to heaven. Come on, amen. When you think about Garth Brooks, he's always going to be remembered as friends in low places. Are y'all with me this morning? What about Prince? We, we know when you think about Prince, he's always going to be remembered for purple rain. And what about Elvis? He's always going to be remembered for the hound dog. Amen? We, we're always going to be remembered for something. And I believe this is interesting because Moses is not only going to be remembered for this, but God is saying 100% that in the book of Revelations, we will remember the song of Moses. And so we need to take our time this week and begin to read over the entire psalm of Moses because I'm only covering one verse out of the 43 verses that are there. Now, this is interesting, and I was wondering, why is it that, that you've only given me one verse to cover out of the entire song? And I believe I've got an answer. The answer is that because I may not know enough. I may not. I'm not seminary trained. I can't, I can't break down the entire Bible. I can't tell you all the years and dates. I can't speak English. I can speak English a little. I can't speak Hebrew and Greek either. 
So I'm not an educator. I don't have a seminary diploma, so I can't break it all down. But, but there is one thing that I do know a little bit about, and that's music. I know music. I have been a musician now for 43 years. Ever since I was a 15-year-old boy, I was already started playing the club scene with Tony Watson and Greg Avra. I mean, I was just a boy, and I know a little bit about music. In other words, I may not know everything about the Bible, but I can tell you a little about how a song is written. In fact, if you, if you study Stain Red, Stain Red, our band, you, you will find that, that all the songs that we play, every lyric that we sing was written by me. I'm not bragging, I'm not wagging my tail, I'm just saying that's my job in the band. The guys put the music together, I throw in little hints every once in a while if I think I see something that needs to be changed, but their job is to make the music, my job is to write biblical lyrics. Now let me show you what I'm bringing it into. And so, in the same way, God has written us a song. The Genesis is the intro to the song. Now, let me say something about writing music. If you're going to write a good song, you got to have a good intro. Because people have short attention spans. If you can't get them the first two or three seconds, you won't get them. So you better have some kicking drums or squealing guitar or something that will melt their head. Come on, amen. Or they're gone. But not only that, but you also, to have a good song, you got to have a good revelation, a good ending to that song. But what's awesome about a song is that you have something called verses. Verses are what tell the story, what the story's all about. So if you listen to a song, it has all this story, but then it comes to something called the chorus. Everybody say the chorus. The chorus is the hook. The chorus is what gets you. If you don't have a good chorus, your song will never go anywhere because you're not catching anybody's attention. But if you can write a chorus that everybody can remember, don't worry, be. Yeah, that, that's a good chorus. Now, do y'all know the verses? Now, 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 think about this. You know, when you go into a restaurant and that song comes on or in, the, in your car and that song comes on, you, you think you know the song. And so you, you mumble through the verses. Yeah. And you sound like you're trying to speak in tongues, but that's not what you're doing. You're trying to get through the verses. Bob, but when the chorus comes on, your, your volume comes up because you see all your friends around. I know this song. This song is me. I, this is my song. But the truth is, you don't really know the song. You just know part of the chorus. I'm just being honest in here. And, and, and this is what God is showing us today. He's not going to show us all the verses. But he's going to teach us about the chorus. Something that will stick to your gums. Come on, amen. Something that was. And so my job today, God said, your job is to teach my people the chorus of the song of Moses. Because I want them to know the chorus so well that no matter where they go, what they're doing in life, this song will always come up. He is a rock. His work is perfect. And all his ways are just a faithful God who does no wrong, upright, and just is he. Come on, amen. That is a good chorus. I, I bet we could take that 
and break it down and use it in our worship team and make a song out of just the chorus. So let's begin by looking first at the rock. I'm not talking about Rocky Balboa, Rocky Marciano. We could. I love Rocky Marciano, one of my favorite fighters. But we're going to talk about the rock, who he is. What he's all about. First of all, David, the man after God's own heart, he clearly understood who the rock was. And he says and he teaches us that the rock is no other than the capital L-O-R-D. He is the Lord himself. Look in Psalms 18 and 31. David said, for who is God besides the Lord, capital L-O-R-D? And who is the rock except God alone? Psalms 18 and 46. Listen to this. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God. Then he says, be God my who? My Savior. And so David is saying, listen, the rock is not only God. He's not only the Lord, but the rock is the Savior of the world. And we know that Jesus is what? The Savior of the world. We got John 3.16 that says that God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Matthew 1 and 21, the Bible said that she will give birth to a son and you are to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Come on, amen. And I love the book of Acts 4, 11 and 12. Dr. Luke, he draws it out for it. He said that Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. He says, salvation is found in no other name, for there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. He is the rock. He is our God. He is our Lord. Can I get an amen? But we also find in the New Testament that Jesus speaks of himself when he asked the question to his disciples, we went over this a few weeks ago. Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, they're like, well, some say that you are John the Baptist, resurrected. Some say you're Elijah. Some say that you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets long ago. But Jesus said, who, who do you say that I am. And you know, everybody's looking at each other at this point going, somebody needs to answer. And Simon Peter, he says, you are the Lord. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus turns to Peter and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by a man, but by my Father in heaven. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Can I get an amen? Now understand that, that now some people throughout the years have taken that scripture. Now that was written from uh, Matthew 16, 15 through 18. Matthew 16, 15 through 18. Now you've got to understand that this verse right here, these verses here have been twisted over the years. 
And people have misunderstood them because, for example, the Catholic Church has taken this text and have used it to build a, a doctrine upon, if you would. In other words, they're saying that the rock that Jesus is referring to is Peter himself. And so what they have done, they have something called a pope. I don't care nothing about the pope. I just hope he gets saved before he goes to hell. But, but they have built a doctrine around a man. And that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying that, that Peter was the first pope of the Catholic Church. No, what he is saying, he said, upon this revelation of who I am is the church is going to be built upon. And he says, and upon that rock, the revelation that he is the Messiah, the living God, the Messiah who is to come to save the world, upon that revelation will he build his church. And that's where the gates of hell cannot prevail because if God be for us, who can be against us? So Paul and Jesus, they remind the people in the Gospels, in the epistles, who Jesus was. Jesus says in Matthew 21 and 44, he says, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. Stop there. What Jesus is saying, listen, if you don't fall on me in repentance, come on, if you don't fall on this stone in repentance, this stone will become the capstone that will crush you into eternity. In other words, if you don't fall upon me, I will fall upon you. Woo, come on, amen, or ouch. I got news for you. I, I'd much rather fall on Jesus than have him fall on me. Because he's going to come down on some people. Romans 9 and 33, Paul says, As it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And anyone who trusted me will never be put to shame. Mark 12, 10 and 11, Jesus said, Haven't you read these scriptures? The stone that the builder has rejected, the stone that the builders have rejected has become the capstone, and the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes or our sight. In other words, the Bible is saying, listen, I'm going to build my church upon Jesus Christ. He's not only going to be the cornerstone. The cornerstone is what, is what you lay your foundation upon. It's what everything this building is built on. It has cornerstones. But it also has a capstone. A capstone is, is the entrance way. Big palaces, they have a beautiful capstone. So he's not only the entrance. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through we need to get some mics. People on the, on the radio is not hearing me. Yes. Are y'all enjoying this? In fact, when David wrote his own personal swan song, if you would, 2 Samuel 22, verse 2 through 4, he speaks of the rock again. 
He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He's my shield, my horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent people, you have saved me. I've called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from all my enemies. The Savior, the rock, is the one who saves us from the enemy. Because y'all remember the Bible says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. See, he's going to remind you why the enemy came, but he's also going to remind you why he came. Come on, amen. Our text says he is the rock. Don't let me get too loud. His works are perfect. His works. And, And so I'm thinking in my prayer room like Tuesday, Lord, where do you even begin on your works? All that you've done. He says, why not start with Genesis? I'm like, oh, perfect. And so God says to me, give them one verse out of one chapter that tells the whole story. Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, the rock, God, created heaven and earth. When he says, I've created heaven and heaven and earth, that means everything that we can see and everything that we can't see. We, we can see the first heaven, the, the clouds, the stars, the moon, but there's something called the second heaven, and then there's even the third heaven where God dwells. We can't see that. We haven't seen it, but we know it's there. And we also, we, we can see the earth We can see the creatures, we can see the trees, we can see the birds, but we can't see beneath the earth. We don't know how it's built, or we we don't even know what hell looks like, but it was created by the Creator. So everything that we can see, the things that we can't see, you know, when I was a boy, I love a microscope. I want to look at things unseen. I've always been interested in the unseen. 2 Corinthians 4.18 from the Holy Spirit. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In other words, what you can't see is there. The Bible says in first, I'm sorry, Colossians 1.15 that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and earth visible and invisible where the thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. You, my friend, I, my friend, was created by the creator for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so everything, think about this. This is good right here. I'm liking this. Everything that God has created, you and I, the earth, the plants, everything that he created, the stars, the moon, everything he created 
was designed to point us to him. When you're out in the middle of nowhere, no one's with you, and you're on your hunting expeditions, you see things that most people don't see, but everything you see was created for a purpose, for people to be drawn to the creator, the God. And so God says, listen, I've, I've made everything point to me so that there will be no excuse. In other words, someone who has never went to church because they didn't want to, they can't never say to God, say, you can't send me to hell because no one told me about you. God said, that's a lie. My creation testifies that I am that I am. You can't help but look into the sky in the middle of nowhere and tell me there ain't no God. Now, when you're in town, you can't see no stars. You get out where it's far out in the middle of nowhere. I'm talking deep. I go deep. And when I look at the sky, I'm in awe. Because I, I don't see like 10 stars. I see like billions. Uncountable. And they're all pointing to God. The Bible says in Romans 1, 19 and 20, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen and being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. But our text says, Where, what time is it? Plenty. I like, I, my clock says plenty. Our text says, he is the rock. His works are perfect. And all his ways are just. Everybody say, all his ways are just. Now, we don't always understand why God allows certain things to happen. And sometimes we even question God. I do. I mean, when you hear about shootings and, and all these children are taken out, you, you sometimes question, why did you allow that to happen? Well, this is how David felt. That they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, to the city of David, and a man named Uzzah, not Uzi, Uzzah, Uzzah reaches out to, 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 to hold it so it don't fall off the cart. And the Lord struck him down dead because he touched something holy that he was not allowed to touch. And David's in freak mode. He was afraid of the Lord. He didn't want to speak to God. He basically went in conclusion, a seclusion. And, and, and that's a bad place to be because he didn't understand why God would take this man out for simply trying to keep the Ark of the Covenant from falling. But God simply says, you know, I'm holy. Unless you show yourself holy before me, I can take you out. Because my ways are my ways and your ways are not my ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We can't get our mind wrapped around the things of God. Too much. Too much. Too much for us to handle. 
But he said, all my ways are just. Now, it's going to get a little weird on this sermon. Y'all going to have to bear with me. But we live in a weird world. And, and, and in other words, sometimes I have to bring weird topics up because it's weird. Because we're seeing stuff that, that, that Leland and my mom and Dolan and, and Betty hadn't, didn't see this when they were coming up. But we got something called transgender. That's not in your Bible. But, but a transgender or people who express themselves as a gender that they are not born with. This is real simple. If you are a boy and you're confused, just look in your britches. If you see men, gentles, Gentiles, or whatever you call it, <laughs> then I, let, me under, let me make it straight. You, you go to the boys' restroom because you are a man. If there ain't nothing there, that means you're a woman. Pretty simple. Was that A? Was that G-rated? I tried, I tried to make it G-rated. But, but, but let, me, let, let me help you out. Back in 1976, when I was a boy, we had a hero. They put his picture on the, the Wheaties cereal box. Come on, amen. His name was Bruce Jenner's. Bruce Jenner's in 1976, he won something called the triathlon. That, that means it's a, it's a running, swimming, and bicycling event. And he won the gold. And so everybody's like, Bruce Jenner's. And so can we, yeah, there he is. But now, in the year 2022, he's no longer Bruce Jenner's. His name is Kat, Caitlin Jenner's. That destroys me. I'm trying to throw up my Wheaties. I can't find them. This is the society we live in. And see, these are the individuals that say that God made a mistake. God made a mistake because I'm a woman, but I was put in a man's body. That's what they believe. God does not make mistakes. Can I get an amen? And so, <laughs> let me break this down for you. When you have a perversion like that, you also have corrupted relationships. In other words, you have men going with men and ladies going with ladies. Now, let's start with the clothing. Deuteronomy 22 and 5, thus saith the Lord. The Bible says a woman must not wear a man's clothing. Now, let's don't go as far as the Pentecostals here. If you wear women's britches, that's okay. You got to make a distinction. They must be ladylike. Are you with me? Women must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing. For this, for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Because he knows that kind of lifestyle leads to a perversion of what he's called us and what he's designed us to be. In other words, men are not supposed to lie with a man. Leviticus 18 and 22. Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman that is detestable. 
declares the Lord. Romans 1 and 27, the Bible says, in the same way, the men also abandon the natural relationships. This is natural. This is natural. This is unnatural. That's close as I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, that's not natural. Don't hug me if you're a man when I come in the door. Just give me a fist pump. <laughs> I don't, get, don't get unnatural with me. Unless you need a hug. I'll be your daddy for a moment. They abandoned the natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received, listen, and received in themselves, everybody say, inside themselves, the due penalty for their error. What is he talking about? Jude 1.7. In the similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns, they gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion, and they serve as examples of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Hebrews says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, there's no sacrifice for sins left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Is God just? Here's the question. Is God just when those transgenders who did not turn from their wickedness and they stand before him and he cast him into the lake of fire saying, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, depart from me into the eternal lake of fire. When he cast him into the fire, into the lake of fire, is he unjust or is he just? You're right. You're preaching better than me. He is just because he gave us something called the word of God. This is the biblical instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. That's all we have. And so when it says that men should not lie with men, that's what it means. He, that's all he has to say. Let, let's bring it down to you, preacher. All right, I got saved in 97, but what if I just went back to my old lifestyle? Let's say I can move some drugs. I'm saved now. I can whore around and sleep around with all types of women. I'm saved now. I can cuss like everybody's business, but I'm saved now. Is that okay? Why? I'm saved. No, you're not. Because when you're saved, it changes you on the inside that gives you a new desire to want to do better things. Come on, amen. Paul said in Romans 9, can I finish this? Romans 9 and 20, Paul said, but you, who are you, O man, to talk back to God? What shall, shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why did you make me this way? God does not make mistakes. And, and, and it all falls to the parents not telling that little boy or that little girl who they really are. Oh, let them make their own decision. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he shall not depart from it. That's biblical. And so you can't blame God 
The Bible says in James 1, 13 and 15, when tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. And then after sin has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, it is full grown, it gives birth to death. If you allow your sin to grow up in you and develop in you, it will kill you. Simple. You have to cut it off. Every time it tries to, you know that tree that keeps coming up, you keep chopping it down, it keeps coming up, just keep cutting. Because that's our sin, trying to come back up and and re-root. I've cut down trees years and they're still coming up. I need to gasoline them. But our world, they see you throw gasoline on something, they're going to get you for destroying the environment. Well, where did the gas come from? From the earth. Come on, help me out. <laughs> I, I get confused. Don't pour oil on the earth. Where'd it come from? Moon? It came from the earth. But I, this, can I just go left field here since I'm talking about our crazy world? So you can't pour oil on your post on your, in, the, in the country like we used to, but then you go downtown, I mean, then you leave town and you go in the country and there's a dirt road and they got an oil truck. Case closed. <laughs> Isn't that right, Aaron? They oil the road from one point to the other, but you can't pour it on your post. So I want, you to change, I want to charge you $150 to change your oil now because we can't do it no longer. We're not qualified to handle it. I'm running for president. I would too. I can't do no worse. I close with this. He is upright and just. 1 Peter 2 and 22 through 23. He committed no sin, nor is any deceit found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. But instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. For by his stripes we have been healed. For we were like sheep who have gone astray. But now we have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. This is, this is the way I see God, man. I see someone that I can come to in all my mistakes and say, Lord, I, you know, I messed up again. He said, that's why I'm upright and true and just. Because what you can't do, I've already accomplished. And my, my, my earth is testifying that I'm good, I'm holy, I'm right. Have you ever seen a hummingbird? That's right. Something that little can move so quickly and so we're trying to get them at the house. We Kristen saw them, but I ain't seen them. But but I know what they look like in my head because I got a picture of what they look like. But he created that to testify that that I can make a bird so little. It can fly so fast in its wings you can't even see. Can you grasp how that works? I can't. 
but he did it for us to say, I'm watching over you. And if I watch over the sparrows, I'll watch over you. If I love the sparrows, I feed the sparrows, I'll take care of you. I'll watch over you because I'm a good God. Everybody, let's stand. I'm sorry. I seem like I... Anyway, I did the best I could. That's it. And if I offend you with my transgenders, take it up with God. I'm, I'm not your enemy. I'm the one that's trying to get you out of the hell and fire that you're about to be cast into if you die with your AIDS or whatever you get from that stuff. Because it will kill you if you're listening to me. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Right now, your souls are being weighed in the balance. If you leave this room today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you can't say, well, no one told me. I'm telling you right now, if you don't get saved and you leave today without Jesus, you will split hell wide open because without Jesus in your life, you have no hope. If you would like to give your life to Christ today, if you'd like to rededicate your life today, I'm here. And as the music begins to play, maybe we can get the praise team up. Maybe we can get one, one more song. If you're going through turmoil and trial and tribulations, let's remember the beginning of our sermon. Maybe it's because... This week, I had, a, I had a text come in. This individual said, listen, I need prayer. My family is going through trials and tribulations over and over. I think God has forsaken me. And I thought to myself, the Bible said... I." I'll, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So it ain't God forsaking you. Maybe you're forsaking Him. Maybe you're the one that's forsaking something. So if you're going through something, you need to back up. The Bible says in Revelations, you have forgotten your first love. Repent and do the things you did at first. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just praise you and thank you for this Father's Day. Go with your people today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.